Hi, you're listening to Celluloid Cards Wallop with James and Gemma. Sit down and enjoy yourself, grab a snack and have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Talking Cods Wallop. I'm James. Surprise, everybody, I'm back! <laughs> Yay! I'm Gemma, just in case you don't know who I am, because I was here, not yeah. here for a week. And I'm Andy. <laughs> <laughs> no, Andy... Je- Je- yeah, Andy has uh, vacated uh, on us on this one, yeah. but we've got the most important member of the group back, which is Gemma. <laughs> <laughs> no, the reason why Andy isn't with us today is, first of all, we're recording on a different day. Um, but Andy does know that we're recording. So, uh, you know, don't let him tell you anything different. But we are going to be discussing the, uh, well, I'm pretty sure it's a hit TV show, mm. Chernobyl, which, because Gemma done fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> up until a couple of days ago, I was calling it Chernobyl. <laughs> Chernobyl, eh? I've never heard it called that one before. No, I know, but I was saying it how it was, um, how it looks. So, uh, you know, never mind. <laughs> it's like Bill and Ted with Socrate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, Andy hasn't actually finished watching the series or potentially even started watching it yet. So <laughs> he's a very, very busy man. Yeah. He is. He's incredibly busy. And Andy seems to do something I used, well, I still occasionally do, which is do massive binge watches of things. But yeah. he's a very, very busy man. He's working on his house. His time is monopolized by two small felines. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't have time to watch TV anymore, I don't think. <laughs> no, not at all. Well, let's put it this way. His post on Sunday, and I'm not going to read it completely oh i'm not going to read it at all i'm just going to try and remember from uh well from memory that basically he went out for a run he had lunch he also um he decorated did his skirting boards you name it yeah he yeah he was plastering the walls and he did that you know a second coat and he did a, a third coat of plastering you know so that was just a sunday oh and he mowed the lawn that day as well so he he put me to shame put me to shame I can't remember what I even did on Sunday. <laughs> I was more like his cats, <laughs> just sitting around not doing anything. Although actually that's a lie. I actually went into, I went for a walk at the woods. Good, good. There's a place near me called Thorncombe Woods, which Thomas Hardy, the author, I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work or not, James. Uh, I'm not, I'm afraid. Okay. I'm not 100% sure what books he wrote either, but he's from... Dorchester, which is a town mm-hmm. just close to where I am. I'm just looking up Thomas Hardy books a minute. See, we are not only uh, informative, we are educational. Yes, exactly. Oh, he did um, Far From the Madding Crowd. Ah, yep. yes, I do know that book. Yeah, so he actually has got a cottage that he used to live in at Thorncombe mm-hmm. Woods, which is obviously the woods that I went to. So you can have, like, you can go through and wander around the garden and see the house and things. You can actually go into the house as well if you want to, but you have to pay a fee 
for that. Mm-hmm. So, which, you know, is fair enough. But at the same time, I'm trying to save my pennies after having some lovely work done on my car. So, <laughs> mm. <laughs> <clears throat> lovely indeed. Yeah, yeah. I know all about that feeling myself. Yeah. Am I supposed to be leaving that coffin or um, is that coming out? <laughs> it's entirely up to you. You feel it adds a dramatic uh, element to things. Keep it in. Yeah. Not kill it, kill it. <laughs> Just before we actually sort of start the episode rolling properly, I also wanted to just quickly reach out and say thank you to all of the listeners that have reached out to me this week and actually given me lots and lots of lovely messages of well health and, you know, good thoughts and everything, which I know you and Andy sort of mentioned at the end of the episode last week, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really meant a lot that a lot of people not only kind of miss me being on the episode, but also just the fact that they sent their love. Oh, yeah. See, people do care. Yeah, they do care. Yeah, but they still also, I'm sure, thought that you and Andy did a grand job as well because I certainly did. So, ah, and at the end of the you. day, I'm the important one anyway, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Yes. <laughs> to quote Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, keep the talent happy. Yes, exactly. Or the boss, in my case. Well, both. <laughs> the boss and the talent. <laughs> so, as you know from, uh, I think it was last week's episode. No, it wouldn't have been last week's episode. It would have been the episode before. We asked our listeners if they wanted to start participating in sending in Codswallop of the Week. Because mm-hmm. obviously we like to have our little moans and things as well. But we seem to just focus on cars and petrol at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and and without Andy, really, there is no real no. Codswallop. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, well, we love you, Andy. We do love you, Andy. Yeah, he'll probably be listening to this in about four years' time when he's actually watched the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Those bastards. <laughs> I can't even remember what I did or what I said. <laughs> so, James, I'm excited to tell you we have got our first load of what a load of codswallop from a listener. Woohoo! Oh, yes. Yes. We found somebody else who's miserable and fed up. Fire away. <laughs> yes. So, this is from Tim Dawson, who is at Tim Dawson87 on Twitter. And he is officially popping our cherries, so you can, like, you know, change your uh, Twitter handle to pop the codswallop cherry, if you wish. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Tim, I'm lying back and thinking of England. <laughs> okay, that's inappropriate, James. <laughs> totally staying in, but it's inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> So sort of to give a bit of a backstory of what Tim is uh, codswalloping about this week is people may or may not know that there has been a bit of a kerfuffle, let's say. I like that word. Kerfuffle with Babblevision this week. I am one of the people who didn't know. I am so lost on this entire thing, so I'm intrigued to know what's happened. Yeah, exactly. So basically what happened was is that the people who'd actually paid for Babblevision got a refund Mm -hmm. so of course it caused a bit of concern and panic as to what was going on i fully understand that and you know it's kind of well especially me and you it's one of our favorite podcasts so Mm -hmm. you kind of automatically think oh my god it's 
it's going to be ending, you know. Mm-hmm. Ralph and I believe Kevin, but I'm not 100% sure on Kevin, but I know for a fact that Ralph sent out a tweet basically saying, I'm, I'm not going to say it word for word, but basically saying that it was a human error that mm. they meant to send out a post beforehand to say to people that it's not cancelled, but it's actually going into a different medium now. So it's mm-hmm. going over to YouTube where it's free for everybody to watch and that they're refunding the remaining of the money. So I think it was like $10 because obviously people pay for like a year's worth. Mm-hmm. And even though he sent that message, people still were overreacting about it mm. and they were sending it directly to him, uh, to Ralph, I mean, who's a lovable firecracker, you know. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> yeah. You can see by his posts, he was getting, he was getting more and more annoyed. Yeah. By the fact that people were still jumping on the bandwagon of, you know, slating things. Well, as I understand it, there'd been like a huge response, like an emotional response from loads and loads of people on this. So I wonder if there'd just been a bit of confusion. Yeah, I think initially there was confusion. Yeah. Because obviously when you get a refund, you think, well, hold on, why am I having this? Yeah, something's been cancelled or something's completely Gone. gone wrong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But with this situation... Like I said at the beginning, it was a human error. I think even Jordan, I can't say her last name, but Jordan, uh, Kevin's assistant, I think she even put out a post saying sort of what was happening and things Mm. like that as well. So, you know, they covered all bases, but it was kind of after the effect. Mm. So Tim's Codswallop this week, I'll read it to you. So I'm sorry, listeners. Hopefully I'll be reading this as good as possible for you. He's put, from what I can tell, an announcement may have come a little time after refunds were issued for the Babel Vision service, which I thought, fair enough, you're only human. So he's making, obviously, the point that I made at this point. Instead of asking what happened, hearing an answer apology and moving on, some of these people started bitching and moaning about the fact that they had been loyal customers and shit. Or... We should have written and codswallop at that point. Mm. <laughs> Come on, Tim. You know better. <laughs> they are now getting the same thing they were paying for for free. And for some reason, it's an issue. Sometimes I think that people need something to rage against. Uh, but, oh, sorry. But I was so close to getting that perfect. It was so close. <laughs> but this is such a non-issue. It fucked me off basically, is what he said. I think he's got a valid point there, you know, because it literally was just plastered all over the the internet. And I I just don't... Uh, like, I get it initially. I uh, Like I said, I get it initially. People reacted as they should have reacted initially. Right. But then when you've got those posts out there, which are so easily easy to read, because, you know, you've got access to everything... It's, it just, it, it just makes no sense to me. I'm still, I'm going to be honest, Gemma, just confused. Because <laughs> for me, I'm just totally lost on the whole thing. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> okay, well, I think, I think I've made my point anyway. You know, that, you know, well, we've made, that... it's Tim's point. It's oh, Tim's it's, Tim, point. it's Tim's point, yeah. but I think, because yeah. I shared that viewpoint as well with him, yeah. that, you know, that is kind of, you know, it's good. It's obviously good that 
you know, he, he has come across with it as yeah. well. So no, no, no offense, Tim, but I, I'm still confused. So yeah, <laughs> Sorry. I can't, I can't so I don't understand any of this. No, <laughs> I feel like an old person. Oh, what's the internet? <laughs> Do I feed my mouth some cheese? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Want some cheese, Gromit? <laughs> That's right, that's a film show, whatever, I do not watch. Never got Wallace and Gromit. Oh, really? Never never appealed to me at all. Oh, my God, I love it. I love it because it's, um, you know, the fact that they've made them, all those little Mm. pieces, and they move them all around and everything. Oh, yeah, it's very creative. I like it. But, okay, fair enough. You can have your viewpoint on that. (laughs) (laughs) But I disagree. (laughs) Yeah. So, anyway, thank you, thank you, Tim, for... um, so bringing that one to our attention and uh also you know i do share your your viewpoint and i'm also interested if any people who listen actually listen to hollywood babylon and you know like i'm happy to listen to the other side of things as well so like with Mm -hmm. regards to the, the babel vision taking aside the initial fright that you had I think that's probably a good word to use, the initial fright. You know, taking that out of the situation for any of you who sort of went on to then persist with being annoyed by it and things like that, I kind of want to hear from you guys as well Mm. because I'm just interested to see where you were coming from with your thoughts, basically. It's always good to hear both sides of an argument. Indeed. Whereas I don't understand any of this, um, <laughs> and that's not a, I'm not saying that for a comical effect, I just literally am confused by all uh, this thing. So yeah. If anyone else wants to get involved, and particularly the other thing is, uh, for anyone who's got any other uh, codswell up things that they want to discuss with us, this is cool. We'll bring it to us. We'll, yeah. we'll discuss it. It's interesting stuff. Yeah, and next time we'll have Andy here as well, so I'm sure he'll love to have a little rant and rave about things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, so the Eeyore scale does uh, still apply. So if it's a, a Brillo pad kind of eeyore tail then it's andy if it's a feather duster it's me if it's anything in between it's james Mm. and certainly with andy if it's like a thistle you hit the ultimate point of unhappiness yeah (laughs) yeah indeed but anyway again tim thank you ever so much for popping our cherry though with that one we really enjoyed that. Ooh. We did. <laughs> I'm really confused, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, have you got anything, you know, like, I suppose it's just social media in general, really, isn't yeah. it? It's a- I think what you're hitting on is the fact that, as you said, there was a, a, there was a huge, it was loads of people who were expressing concern. And it's this thing you see on social media in general where people maybe respond without being given all the information of what's happened. Because mm-hmm. you see, I see it on Facebook, I see it on Twitter, I see it on loads of different platforms. There's an immediate response to things. And I think a lot of the time um, people need to maybe just step back and review everything or have the ability to review everything. But, hell, we're in a world where if you want to make express your opinion, you can express your opinion. So yeah. all is well. Yeah. All is well. I suppose we better let them. <laughs> uh, have you got any codswell up this week? Uh, it's been pretty good, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I did get to... Uh, no, I think we've done all right, actually. I've had a pretty good run on things. No major issues. Um, it's been a pretty pretty good week. Nothing's grinding my gears, as Peter Griffin would say, or in our case. we have. I don't have any real codswell that I can think of, so that's pretty, pretty good. That is pretty Yourself? good. Um. I did have something, but I can't remember what it was now. 
So obviously it wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, I'm not annoyed with the oh. postal service, which is always a good sign because oh. I g- came back to a wonderful gift, <laughs> a wonderful, wonderful gift Did sticking out my mailbox. Have so you opened it yet? Cool. I have. Uh, I think it was. I, I, I honestly have to say that I think uh, that Gemma is possibly related to my great aunt because <laughs> her wrapping ability is second to none. It's second only to probably a German person sending me something that's wrapped and wrapped and wrapped. So th- those trees did not die in vain. I can no. tell you. I'll tell you the reason why I did it like that. Well, first of all, I'll tell the listeners as well that I probably used about ten envelopes. The the A three envelope. Mm-hmm. I suspect the Royal Mail think I'm some sort of drugs mule. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame you didn't take a picture of it before you um opened it. Oh, should have done. Sorry. Yeah, un- uh, wrap it back up again and then take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> See if you can do as good as I did. Basically, the reason why I did that was because when I brought the envelopes, I actually thought that they were the padded ones. Ah. Yeah. So I didn't. I didn't want it to sort of get damaged on the way to you mm-hmm. or bent or anything like that it was absolutely perfect oh. the way it arrived no issues at all yeah and it didn't get put in the bin so that's good no no that's true yeah so i used loads of envelopes as like the padding but yeah normally i'm big on trees and i love trees and i hate our office in a way because we use so much paper and i get so sad by the the fact that we use so much paper because you know all the trees that have died <laughs> I literally do sit there and have that rant. <laughs> I attempted to keep some of the envelopes in a reasonable position, uh, presentation, uh, you know, situation. So I will, I will actually recycle them and use <gasps> them, so they will to be a, a future use. Okay. And what did you get in your present, James? I got a really cool Batman battery charger for electronic devices. You did, and I got a and I got a book that some bloke had scrolled over the front of. I mean, that's terrible. You need to take that man to task yeah <laughs> what was his name again kevin 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 smithy kevin smooth <laughs> so that's kevin smith <laughs> it was a signed it was dogma yes wasn't it that's brilliant the dog thank you so so much for that oh you're welcome i mean that's brilliant yeah yeah, I saw. I I didn't actually get him to sign it, um, but I did see it on. I actually got it off eBay, and I saw it, and I was like, "Oh, that's so James. I have to get that." Well, <laughs> it, it really means a lot. You sent it to me, and it elicited a uh, my former catchphrase when I saw it of sweet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, we were going to talk about, um, sorry, we're trying to get all, basically listeners, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get all of the fluffy, joyous stuff out of the way. And before we actually go into, I want to say Chernobyl. Our celluloid codswallop section of the thing. Yeah, exactly. I still want to say Chernobyl. It's really annoying. Chernobyl. Hmm. Because obviously, those of you who have watched it, it isn't a fun bubbly kind of program but it was absolutely fantastic so we will get onto that in a moment but a few weeks back james you asked me about um well me and andy about Mm. childhood memories yeah and since then ideally happy ones which andy managed (laughs) yeah i I think to be fair i don't think it was just andy i think it was me as well so yeah 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 no i think that was the start of me not being well as well that episode so um yeah i wasn't on 
on full form because it was my dear mother wasn't very well that episode either so um i, I was kind of on tender hooks how is she now oh she's fine yeah Good. she gave it to me and then she was you know then she was fine <laughs> oh yeah and you know, sharing care yeah but then when mine went into like severe bronchitis nearly turning into um pneumonia so you know Ooh. obviously i was very ill you know you, we all got a bounce back, haven't we? Correct. So basically what I'm saying is if my mum's listening, I was iller than her. <laughs> yeah. You win the ill back. <laughs> yeah. But I always do. So I always seem to get yeah. iller. Yeah. What a point speed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So childhood memories. I'm going to have to pause my brain a second because I'm trying to think of... Well, while you're doing that, I will share a nice positive image for the listeners. I saw a lovely little fluffy uh, baby bunny rabbit today. Aww. Yeah, which was which was pretty cool. Aww. Was it somebody's pet or...? It was just on the side of the road, bounce around, so Aww. seemed quite happy. Aww. And when I was in Germany, when I was out, and this is quite an interesting thing to see, mm. when you'd be walking sort of near to um, the forest areas, uh, my father and I kept seeing little brown forest mice. <gasps> Um, with no fear of humans at all. Because one of them just walked out and was like, there, looking at me and my dad, and then just scurried off to do whatever it was going to do. So yeah. no fear at all. Did you see wild boar while you were there? Uh, I could have, well, I couldn't have seen them in the, well, let's be precise. I could have probably seen them in the wild if I'd gone looking for them. Because mm. I know there is a restaurant in the, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't sound so nice, but there's a restaurant that has them for pets in a forest area for obvious reasons. So yeah, they yeah. would be around somewhere. Because yeah, I remember when I, when I went to Germany, I think I was, it was two times that I went. So I was seven the first time. And then I was 14, mm-hmm. so obviously there were seven years in between. So I can't remember which age I was, but I think I was the 14. No, I was seven, because it was just me and my mum who went over. this. The second time I went over, my dad was there. Mm-hmm. We were actually walking in the woods or whatever they're called in Germany. So it's near Cologne. Okay. We were actually walking through the woods, and there was wild boar everywhere. Wow. You just look at them and you think, wow, you know, you really wouldn't want to mess with them, with those big no. tusks. And the other creature we kept seeing a lot, uh, we saw two very, very much up close, were heron. Oh, cool. Uh, and we even saw one of them in the grounds of the facilities my great aunt lives in, actually dive in and get a fish out of the water. Oh, oh awesome. We see a fish, so yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, because obviously we're on animal watch at this point. Um <laughs> When I drive home from work every day, if I go a specific way, there are actually a family of deer that are by the side of the road. Oh. And it's actually quite a busy road, but they know to stay hmm. where they are. You know, they know not to sort of come too close to the roadside. But it's always nice and it but it's quite funny when you're when you're driving and you can see the locals <laughs> as they're driving by because everyone's just like drives yeah. by normal because they know that they're fine. But you can see when there's a tourist that drives by because they give him a wide berth. <laughs> it's yeah. quite funny to actually, you know. I can understand that though, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but it is really lovely to see. And you kind of mm. wonder, you know, it's a bit like, um, you know, Q when he says about the Staten Island deer. <laughs> I'm <Yes>. always thinking like, <laughs> where did they come from? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I totally, yeah. Yeah. Because the highlight, what I can see out my window right now, are just loads of rabbits in the field across. So yeah. We are definitely on animal watch. We are. Well, I mean, I can go with what I can see out of my bedroom window, which is a brick wall. I'm sure it's a wall, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Donald Trump has been around. 
Oh, yes. <laughs> so we've been chatting and I've not been thinking about my happy memories. Yeah, but we've discussed happy, lovely animals. We so. have. So maybe we'll leave it as that. Because mm. there is one that I want to bring up, but I kind of want Andy to be here for it. Excellent. Because yes. of one of the people's names. So, okay. um, yeah. So I kind of want to find out because their surname's Bar. And I want to kind of find out if there's any relation, potential Ooh. relation. So nice, yeah. So so that will you know that will be another story for another day, maybe. Cool. Yeah. Right. So James, I think we've been discussing a lot of nice fluffy stuff for a little bit too long now. Let's get on to Chernobyl, shall we? Yeah. Let's fusion this episode. Yes, exactly. So this is the celluloid codswallop moment. Mm-hmm. It is. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! What were your thoughts on the TV programme? Also, just for people who want to watch it, who may not have seen it, it's on Sky Atlantic, or it's for those who haven't got Sky, it's also on Now TV. Mm -hmm. What were your thoughts on it, James? The way I initially found out about it, I saw a trailer for it, and I was unsure what I'd be sort of seeing. My initial knowledge of the Chernobyl incident is basically just through the historic aspect of it. Yeah. Um, what I found very interesting going into it is it's a five-part um, series. Yeah. And what I liked when you initially saw it is, well, throughout every episode, it sort of gives you involvement from different people in it. But when we go into the first episode... We are straight at the coalface, really, so to speak, with the people working in the control room. Um, well, I mean, it's, it starts initially. Sorry, I didn't mean to cuss in there. No, no, no. It starts initially that the the man who's telling the story, who mm -hmm. at, at oh, yes. initially, yeah, yeah. yeah, initially yeah. you don't know who the man is, but no. he's he's recorded the story mm -hmm. onto tape. And just just for any millennials, uh, well, not millennials, but whatever the next category down is, tape is something that used to be like a CD. <laughs> What's a CD? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, um, yeah. Okay, and so so yeah, so he's recorded a load of tapes, mm -hmm. and then he heads on downstairs and he puts the tapes into like a a safe place. Mm -hmm. And there's somebody waiting in a car. And I'm not 100% sure who the person was who was waiting in the car. But they were waiting to sort of go over and get the, the tapes. And then you see the man feed his cat, which obviously mm -hmm. Andy will, have appro will approve of. Mm -hmm. And he gives him four days worth of food. And then he, he kills himself, doesn't he? He hangs himself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, what it is is with... I mean, thank you for refreshing my memory on that. That's all right. Uh, the, a large proportion of the people you see in this show are real, based upon real people. Yes. Um, there are a couple that are uh, amalgamations of that's that's there are, you know there's one person who's an amalgamation of uh, different people uh, into one character to try and you know move the dramatic license along. Um, what I do like is obviously you see the you see that initial thing the shock of this man dealing with the guilt of what happened within the Chernobyl. Uh, incident and going back to what I was saying yep. the fact that you yourself were at the coalface you've seen people within the plant as the whole thing is happening which was obviously you know it was a night crew who were on they're doing a test uh, run on the safety of the rotting system within the nuclear facility and there is a concern 
uh, and you sort of, to skip ahead slightly, you find out that the people who were on the night shift were not fully versed in what they were doing. But you can kind of see that in the first episode, the sort of question why they're doing things. Whereas the man who is running everything is sort of saying, you must do this situation, uh, this test. And where. Very arrogant, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. As I understand it, where Chernobyl went wrong is that the system was shut down, I think, when they tried to remove. No, they tried to the insertion of the system down, they ran it well. Uh, running water through the system and removing rods. If I'm wrong, please correct me. No, you're right. Off my memory a bit. Yeah. The system basically was not designed and went haywire. It went insane and blue. Mm-hmm. And you're correct on the interesting thing I found is when you're watching this man who's supposed to be the the uh, the manager who's arrogant when he is told we believe the core is gone that it's exploded. He says this this you know the, the system isn't saying what it's saying. It's doing this. If I was to dissect the entire show, we'd be here for probably about 15 hours. So yeah. what you see is from this huge explosion, the single worst nuclear explosion which has happened in on this planet, and the fallout is the crux of this show for me is two things that really get me are the selflessness of people in trying to stop the situation becoming worse. The cover-ups knew. is what... Yeah, yeah. but the people... The, well, no, I mean the people who knew... Oh, uh, Okay. Sorry. Who, sorry, that one means the people who knew that what they were going to do to try and stop this going wrong, you know, to get even worse. Yeah. They knew they were going to die. You had people on the day of the actual explosion going in and closing valves who died. Although I've heard that some of the people who supposedly died in the show actually survived. Some people who were there. there. The problem they have is it explodes, there's a fire, and they say to them basically, right, we'll send the fire service as you would expect to deal with a fire. But these people are so ill-equipped to deal with it and don't know what they're going into. Because mm, a lot of them were like volunteer firemen as well, yes. weren't they? So. Yeah. Well, the problem you had in things like the Soviet Union under a communist ruler is this the idea that everybody is bands together and for the greater good does what they are told to do. Yeah. And this is certainly something you saw evident within this program, that there was this big push of, well, if we tell you to do it, you just do it. I mean, I know that happened to society anyway, but there's a huge push under communism of that. You do it for the greater good of the nation comrade um yeah but people going to this thing with no idea what they were dealing with and basically were pretty much death sentence for them wasn't it it was yeah i think it will it was kind of because to me like the first episode um because also mm-hmm. i just wanted to say as well because we got a message from lucy who'd watched this program as well she wrote, what did you think of the structure of the series? I enjoyed the structure in that we only find out the chain of events leading to the mountain in the last episode, which I agree with her. Yes, that, that was a good, yeah. She kept you focused and wanted to know more. Yeah, and then she ends with, so the audience was as much in the dark as the characters. Yes. Yeah, which obviously, you know, that's good. I was going to say also, going back to the first episode, because you were saying about the the scientist. Yes. Who obviously had a big part in this TV program, but on the first initial viewpoint, you don't realise, obviously, that when he's, when he's hanging himself. Mm-hmm. I actually had a thought at that point that it was more that he was in fear of what was going to happen to him. If, yeah, yeah, if he, if he actually, because he's obviously gone out and he's like done all of the, the tapes, he's done his bit to actually make sure that the story gets out there, which was obviously very important to him. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's obviously because you got the, the KGB 
which are like to keep things under the rug, shall we say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I obviously have to be a bit careful with that one. <laughs> Not that I think any listeners are um, going to report us to the KGB, but you know, still. <laughs> Um, well, I hope not. Anyway, I'm not going to give you my address just in case. <laughs> I'll give you James's. <laughs> no, you <I> won't. <laughs> you know, but like I said, it's like initially watching this program, you kind of see a lot of innocence mm. going on, a lot of fear and a lot of confusion, isn't it? And, mm. and arrogance Absolutely. as well. So it's like, mate, those are the main factors in this. So you've got the arrogance of the people who know what they're doing but they know that they shouldn't be doing it, but they're trying to get promoted. Mm. Uh, you've got the innocence of like the firefighters, for example, mm-hmm. um, but also the innocence of the, the people, because obviously there was a huge amount of people that went on a bridge. Yeah. And they went to view what they thought was beautiful because they'd never seen it before because obviously big massive blue this light glowing there was a, a glowing light and yeah. this and the cloud well not cloud but you know the the billowing well, graphite and other stuff and, and nuclear radiation pouring out of the yeah. the plant but you're right yeah people would naturally look at it because if you're being told there's just been a fire because all you think about it initially the thing that i again saw that was a point you made is that you've seen these people constantly saying it's the Soviet Union, you know, we, we've got to, we can't be seen as being weak by the West. We've got to show that this is under control, which I suspect would happen anywhere, but certainly under that, you know, the communist regime was a big push on that. There will be no weakness. We will stand as, as one. Yeah. And uh, we will show the West that we, we've got this under control and there's no issue. A really interesting thing that you just said is about how, um, how was it, how did you describe the guy who was on the night shift, the guy running it, that he was arrogant? Arrogant. There was definitely, yeah, there was an element of arrogance to him, but I also, and I'd be interested to see what your take on this is, when the saying, right, the, the core's gone, the core has gone, and all the people saying it's gone, there is graphite. Because they go to the, the people furthering, you know, higher up the food chain who sort of like manage the town and the area. Yeah. Um, the comrades and they're basically saying to them, this isn't possible. The reactor cannot have exploded. I think there's a, the arrogance of the man who's in control and the arrogance of people around them. But I think there's also an element, I personally think, and I'd be interested to see what you think, that, that whether they're saying this cannot happen is because it's unthinkable. Yeah. The horror of what it could be, but also the fact that the system, to their knowledge, should not do this. It's the, you know, an element of, well, you're wrong, but it's also of, my God, if this has happened, you know, it's the worst possible scenario and you probably can't even process it, can you? Yeah. I think, well, I mean, I take on board definitely what you just said as well, and I can see... I can see part of it, definitely. Mm-hmm. But I think there was a lot of denial oh, yeah. in that yeah, point definitely. because definitely. they they were sort of like, no, this can't happen. Definitely not. You know, and this is again, this is my viewpoint on it, but they, they were like, no, definitely cannot happen. They just have a complete no knowledge of the fact that this thing has happened. You know, mm-hmm. they, they know it probably has because obviously people have told them, but they're just choosing not to believe. Yeah. And they're choosing to just like sweep it again, sweep it under the carpet. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously like trying to cover everything up and you can't cover up something that's 10 foot not up in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and then the guy in charge decides, 
I think it's towards the end of the first episode that, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna look over the side to see if it actually is blown up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then he starts getting sick. Yeah. Cause he has to look, cause they order, don't they? You will look directly into this. Yeah. Uh, and he's saying, I'm not going to do this. Cause the problem they had is that everything. No, cause he turned around. He said he was so cocksure that it hadn't exploded. He was like, no, I will look over it. Well, I don't know. I don't know because they definitely ordered. They tried to get the arrogant guy to do it. He said he wouldn't do it. He wanted because he threw up and he was ill. So they said, right, we'll send the other guy. He said, I refuse to do this. And he said, they say, no, you will do this. Yeah, that, the other guy, definitely. He yeah. was made to do it, definitely. And what I'm saying is the guy that was in charge before yes. he threw up, threw up he, yes. he was willing to actually check it because he was mm. so sure mm-hmm. it hadn't exploded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's how I saw it anyway. The other thing is, you're watching the incredible situation of the plant going, the fact that it was sort of left running for days. Yeah. But it was spilling this stuff out into the atmosphere. But it's also very interesting to see the operation of the Soviet Union at that point, where it was just like, well, we'll do nothing with it, we'll do nothing with it, and then, right, well, we can have to do something with it. Yeah. So they'll send people out to look at it, but they send them out with sort of the minimum abilities to deal with things yeah and they were making all these decisions from the safety of a bunker that was like a hundred foot under the ground that nothing mm-hmm. could get through the door sort of thing you know i also wondered though for the people who could eat when they kept reporting back to say uh gorbachev and other people you're thinking are they not going to be irradiated in a potential risk to the people around them though <laughs> Yeah. When they were going back. Well, I suppose, yeah. But then they, they were in denial, so it's kind of, yeah. I don't know. They probably well, there was were, the misinforma- they? Yeah, there was the misinformation, wasn't it, where they say, no, it's um, it's just sort of like the power of a chest x-ray. Yes. It's a hell of a lot worse than that. But it was, it was the fact that also they were so ill. And to be fair, I think even now people will be ill-equipped, but they were so ill-equipped to deal with it. Mm. And that part, I think, comes from the fact that it's the un, you know, it's the unthinkable. Yeah, they'd never had it happen before either, so it was all brand yeah. new to them, wasn't it? And there was probably no, although well, by the sound of it, there was never any contingency plan for it ever happening, was there? So no. they start saying things like, "Well, we'll dump um, sand onto the reactor to put the fire out," but the problem with that is that if you got too close to it, well, you goosed. You know, it's over. Yeah. Um, so that situation wasn't difficult. Uh, was difficult as one one they couldn't deal with. You had people becoming exceptionally ill, exceptionally quickly. Yeah, you know, firefighters, etc. People who who had been there working on it. But also, um, also, like even going back to the people on the bridge and things, like hmm. it was almost horrific because as an audience member, seeing and knowing what was going yeah. on, yeah, you know, watching the children dancing yeah. around in all of that radiation mm-hmm. and things you know all of the ashes and things like that that are on the yes going through yeah yeah and that was almost like it was almost horrific to watch because you mm-hmm. knew that they were gonna get really ill yeah and die from what they were doing but you know you could also see it from the character point of view of mm-hmm. the innocence that they don't know what's going on, you no. know? And the problem you had is that also the the people in charge didn't actually move the people out of Chernobyl for days and days. Yeah. And when they did move them out, again, this is all documented, they basically said to them, 
well, you'll be sorry to come back. You'll be able to get your stuff, and obviously Chernobyl is a it's a no go area. Yeah, you know people cannot live in it. Yeah, because um, I didn't so actually. Clear. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no. Yeah, cause I, no, what? I was going to say because I actually before I actually watched this program, I didn't actually know the story beforehand. Mm-hmm. It was actually you know this was all brand new for me. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know from from my point. You know, I'm probably seeing it in a slightly different way than other people who mm-hmm. knew the story. So like yourself knew mm-hmm. it you know like because uh, yeah when it when it all happened it happened in 1986 so i was yeah. i was about three i think at that point mm-hmm. so but yeah still i also didn't i just didn't know about it so sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no no i mean what people also forget again because we can't but i can do this episode by episode but you see the fallout don't you from the first from what happened mm. the within the second episode you're looking at how the bureaucrats try to deal with things the third episode Again, they're still trying to assess how to deal with the situation and how to, to tamp things down. And they, they basically go over to the miners, don't they? Yes. I think she's in the third or fourth episode. We won't, the miners. I was going to say, we won't quite talk about the miners yet because I want to cover, <laughs> we'll cover that yeah. very soon. But, <laughs> but they got the, what you've seen is how on each situation that they're having to basically ask well, they're ordering people to sort of go in and deal with things. Yeah. They, all, they get people to go in and try and co- close one of the reactor pumps. Um, I'm not sure which episode that was in, actually. I think it was in the um, third one. Was it the one where yeah. the, because of the radiation, the torches went out? That everything started, sh- yeah, everything started shutting down. Yeah, which, that, because the sound effects were fantastic during this mm. as well, because like you had the eerie music when there was no audio, um, so when mm-hmm. people weren't speaking. But you also had the radiation monitor, so constantly mm-hmm. clicking, 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 and then you hear it getting louder and louder and louder mm. as they get into the the worst area of it, you mm. know. And that's when all their torches start going out, isn't mm-hmm. it? And that had to be so scary with all those noises around you, yeah, in pitch black, not knowing how to kind of get out and knowing that. Well, kind of knowing when you're in there that you're going to be dead, you know. Which is kind of what they pretty much said to them, didn't they? Yeah. You know, we're not, you know, we're going to have to be honest with you. You know, the Soviet Union was actually honest with the people, supposedly, at this point, saying, you know, we're asking you to do something where you're not going to be able to, you know, you will not survive this. There was also this the, the shock element when you had the two leads, and I've forgotten who the actors were, unfortunately, where they were saying... The scientist, the head scientist, and the guy from the the government, yeah. basically said, "We're going to have five years. You know, within five years, this will probably kill us because the radiation levels." And that's kind of when they bonded, yeah, in a way, isn't it? Because before that sentence was actually said, they actually were, um, you know, they were kind of separated in their views. They were at odds, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, you know, there was one that was a government official. He was playing by the book of the government official. And then you have Mr. Scientist over here who just wants to get the job done, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But also another couple of characters that we're not discussing as well who played a massive part in this program mm-hmm. are the husband and wife. The, yes. um, the husband who was a volunteer firefighter. Yes. And the, what turns out to be a pregnant wife yes yes and obviously yeah because they are quite a big point as well and also we had the um sorry i don't remember any of their names and i probably couldn't Mm. pronounce them if i did so but then you also had the female scientist as well she's also a massive part who was trying to warn them who she was the amalgamation character she was based on a load of different scientists that had been involved with him the other interesting thing that i think 
you know, my mind goes back to is that in the first episode, well, and throughout, they're all sort of saying, like when the champ says, it's a chest, it's chest x-ray, chest x-ray. It's come through this many, whatever the clicks are. Mm. And the problem they faced, and this, well, this definitely happened in real life, is that their equipment was only designed to measure up to a certain point, and it was just clicking straight to the top yep. every single time. So you'd lose any ability to measure it because if from what I remember hearing the I think like you know instant death is maybe a level 10 or something on a nuclear scale I think Chernobyl was listed on like a number seven it was like yeah. the highest ever level they've, they've ever had and as I said there was a, a very similar incident in the 50s when there was a problem with one of our nuclear power stations where something had gone wrong and again somebody had to look at, do the same horrible thing looking over into the tower so to speak but that the, the problem we had with nuclear has never been anything like Chernobyl. And the big, and from my own personal perspective on Chernobyl, now I was four, so I don't remember it, but I think I told you and Andy this. The problem with Chernobyl is the fallout that it had against other countries because the nuclear yes. outburst you know, uh, wasn't just sort of, you know, nuclear stuff doesn't just go, oh, well, I'm over this country, so I'm going to stay in that exact area. Wind causes it to travel and it hit... Uh, areas Germany, of, uh, Poland, Germany, the surrounding area, you know, the surrounding European areas. It hit the UK. I know I was out with my mother. I've heard the story from my mother and from my father that I was out with them playing. I think we went to a park on the highest, the, the, the day when the nuclear stuff was supposed to be its highest going over the country, which was always a concern for my mother whether that ever had a negative impact. Who, who knows? We'll, we'll watch this space. But it was, it, I mean, it, it created damage to livestock in other countries. It was uh, a, a thing. But it, again, and you hit on it, and I, I always want to keep going back to this, the point that you made when you talk about the fireman and his wife. Yeah. They probably weren't completely aware of what they were going to, but the selfless act they that that man did, you know, went some way to hopefully improving things. And unfortunately, you know, you, well, it's pretty obvious what would have happened to them the poor guy yeah exactly so yeah because see you know like in this program again you've got so many different stories going on Mm. within one which is what would happen in real life you know what i mean and okay yeah okay it's a theatrical piece it's it's not completely gonna be real but you can imagine that all these things happened and like even back to like the doctor at the ho- uh, doctor at the hospital who turned mm-hmm. around and said, "Oh well, there's no ambulances coming in, so it can't mm. be that big of a deal." And then it's like, cue next scene or potentially next episode, and there's yeah. like a fleet of ambulances coming in, and then the wife of the firefighter walking down the corridor and a man trying to give her his baby because you know like he wants her to survive but she's already infected you know and it's the thing in i think even in the first episode when or the second episode when the one of the questions in the the hospital is do you have iodine tablets yes and the doctor says well why do we need iodine tablets and it's true there would be no planning for this no and certainly the fact of asking people to do things so we'll i'm sure we'll get onto your favorite Oh, not favourite, but the, yeah. the, sort of like got with the miners. But yeah. it's like with the army when they they basically said they thought they'd finally managed to be able to do something with the situation because they had to sort of like tamp in the the melting. The problem they had is that they looked at it and they made the decision that the melting reactor they could dampen it down. There'd be no issues. It'd stop. And what they're saying is, you know, we've got a few days to work this out, or a few weeks, and then the the amalgamated character scientist lady says. 
well, no, you've got like 48 hours. It's going to eat through things. Water's still going in and everything will just, you know. Yeah, because they don't realise that the taps have been turned on again, do they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because obviously, again, the the bad, the, the baddie, <laughs> let's call him the baddie, um, yeah. he, you know, he sort of made workers um, who, who were the people who actually were doing the test hmm. that he made them go down and actually turn the taps on by hand. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it was their choice that they, it was not their choice that they went down, but their choice mm-hmm. that they turned them on by hand. Yeah. Cause I, I think there was no other option. Yeah. I think the situation would have become a lot worse if he'd not done that as well. I think that was it. the problem. There was the risk other things could explode. Yeah. Cause again, they, at that point, it's this thing that you're looking at this thing, the situation's impossible. The car's breached. Car breached. Not, you know, everyone keeps saying, again, I take it, yes, there's the arrogance, but it's also this, look, there's no way that could happen. It's such a horrendous situation. Everything's in place to stop that happening, and it's happened, and you're presented by this god-awful situation to deal with. Yeah. But it was the, the element of, I mean, we're running, I'm going ahead, but this thing where they said, right, we've got robots who'll be able to move the graphite, and put it into the, I think that was the idea, wasn't it? Put graphite in that would melt and cover and sort of block the, block everything off from the top of the tower. And they had to ask the Germans for that, didn't they? Which obviously yeah. there was a big rivalry yeah. going on between Russia and Germany. Yeah, you, they're asking West Germany, who would be their enemies, Yeah, to provide them with, with uh, robots. And of course, it doesn't work, does it? No. Because the radiation levels are so high that the robots can't, function yeah i don't know about you with regards to that scene but i actually initially thought that it was and i think that's i kind of thought it maybe because the government character guy he kind of alluded to it himself that you think that the germans have sent across a robot that they knew for a fact wasn't going to work because they didn't want to help out but actually it turned out that the the people who were trying to arrange for it to happen t- didn't tell them what the highest level of the radiation yeah. was. Mm. Yeah. So it was kind of like, they again, they were trying to sweep it under the carpet. So, mm. I, you know, I'm pretty certain it was like the KGB or whatever, you know, it's that kind of organization. Well, I, sus- I suspect to a degree, the go- again, again, it's another thing with the way the communists, country has been run is that they won't want to show the hand they won't want to show weakness to the west yes exactly and i think that was a big problem that you had with it you know i've seen the real photographic evidence from this the point where they said well we're going to need biological robots and they have to go to the army and basically say look you know even sister's troops doesn't it basically you are going to have to go up there Nobody was ever properly protected from this. No. And it was like, you have a window of 90 seconds. 90 And then once yeah. you have shoveled the stuff over 90 seconds, you've got to go. Well, the actual reality of, from when, from the reading I've done is that in some cases they had 30 seconds and it was literally shovel, run, shovel, run. And this horrible, awful telling moment when one of the soldiers has caught his, um, his boots. Yeah. And then he fell in the puddle as well, didn't he? Yeah. And he goes in and the man just says to him, comrade, your time is up. And it literally is. Yeah. Your time is up. Yeah, exactly. 
that scene was it was really you know it was hard to sort of watch i thought that they had 19 seconds but did you just say that they had 90 90 well i thought you could be you may be right but i thought they said like you have a 90 second window to do this yeah because it um, did seem longer than 19 seconds so maybe that was mm-hmm. me hearing it wrong but yeah and that was bad and you, you kind of you were feeling for him weren't you you were kind of rooting mm. for him to get back but you knew that he was he was kind of like pretty much that's that's the end of you mate you know and then they have these like people who were just mainly sort of volunteers having to go out and basically cull animals and anything that yeah. was around in the area which i understand i know as awful as it is i understand it because you can't run the risk of them running off into other areas as, as irradiated animals that was actually the saddest part for me but but only because i love animals so much mm-hmm. that was quite traumatic because obviously you had that young kid who he'd signed up to do his duty kind of thing yeah he had no knowledge of what was going on and the guys that he was with knew that he had no knowledge of what was going on because they mm. they'd asked him oh you know what did you do in afghanistan or or wherever it was yes yeah you know. no it was afghanistan because oh, okay. the guy was was running it obviously because the, the you know the uh, russians had been the occupiers in afghanistan mm. and as i think just about every military operator will learn afghanistan is not a country you can tame no they you know he'd been over there and obviously they then returned him back to mother russia to well not the united you know the soviet union as it was then yeah to um to, to basically deal with this. But even then, nobody was fully prepared or equipped. They're having to like use bits of lead stuff to protect themselves. Um, yeah. <laughs> mainly protect their uh, genitals. Yes. I think I'd be a bit worried about the rest of me as well. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and they had those stupid white hats on as well. Not not the army yeah. people, but the stupid oh, white hats. Well, that- let's discuss the... I mean, I'm going to let I mean, you take this one. Um, the- let's, talk about, let's talk about the animals first, though, because, okay. you know, obviously we've touched upon it and um, otherwise we're kind of, like, again, and we're jumping all around like radiation yeah. at this point. <laughs> um, True. So, yeah, with regards to the animals, so, you know, it wasn't just dogs. It was obviously cats and all kind of animals, basically. Mm. And I think that was probably the most horrific part for me to actually watch because, you know, you had the innocence of this lad who had never shot a gun before because you could tell because he was when he was walking with it, yeah. he was just not walking with how you should hold a gun at all. And he couldn't load the bullets properly, could he? So No, he couldn't, no. And the first dog that he shoots, um, because the guy, I'm going to call him the guy with the big nose. and anybody... He's commanded officer, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, so the guy with the big nose, because <laughs> he did have a big nose. And I want to kind of bring a little bit of entertainment into this. So he said that if you leave any animal undead then he'll come around and he'll kill you kind of thing didn't mm. he because obviously well you're saying don't let them suffer just kill them straight away and if you haven't done it the first time you kill you know shoot them again to make sure they're not suffering yeah yeah exactly and so the first this guy you know shoots this like adorable dog that you can see and he's sort of trying to encourage it to run off yeah he ends up shooting it but it's only like the stomach part of the dog that it's not dead basically and yeah and then all of a sudden you hear like a gunshot behind him which is the same guy the guy with the big nose who he then you know shoots the shoots the dog um and you know this goes on for a good couple of minutes 
but then they have a little break as well and you know you can see this young lad and he's just got absolute tears in his eyes mm-hmm. and he then he almost like mans up at that point even though he's crying you know because it is an emotional moment but he almost becomes a man at that point because he starts drinking the vodka doesn't he that yes. you know yes <laughs> yeah and i think does he start smoking as well at that point yeah we certainly start smoking later on because yeah. they're having to go door to door aren't they yeah in into properties yeah and then the next after they have their break i think was the hardest part when he <laughs> yeah yeah when he i know what you mean yeah when he goes into this house and he sees a dog with their i think <sighs> there must have been about seven puppies obviously very cute little puppies that were just like you know, doing puppy things with them, with their mum sort of thing. And he's just stood there shocked and he can't, he can't, he's frozen, isn't he? Not shocked. Mm-hmm. He's frozen. He just cannot do the job. And you see then the other guy come in and he takes over. And, but you can also yeah. see that he really doesn't want to do that one as well. And all of a sudden, then when the other guy's outside, you just hear gunshot after gunshot after gunshot, you know, just killing them all. And also, like, when they were emptying all of the animals into the grave that they'd... Yes. Yeah, which obviously they had to cover over with um, tarmac, didn't they? Was it concrete? I think concrete. Oh, concrete, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually amazing to see how many animals that they killed. Yeah. Because it just didn't seem... I mean, obviously, we didn't see all of them, but, you know, it just, I don't know, it was just insane how many animals there were in that truck. Mm. Like cats and dogs. I think it was mainly cats and dogs, to be honest, wasn't it? But anyway, regardless, that doesn't really matter. But so I think out of all of the episodes, I think that definitely made me the most emotional about it all, Mm -hmm. really. Again, because my love for animals and things. And But at the same time, I understood that it had to happen as well because of the radiation. And eventually they would have died anyway, wouldn't they? The animals. Mm -hmm. So, And I think it was also the inherent risk, as I said, if they left the area... Um, you know, there's this fear they would spread mm. the radia- radiation to other, either other animals or people or other surrounding areas. Yeah, exactly. Again, while this is, uh, sorry, we, were you going to jump onto something else then? Well, I was just going to ask you to, it's when you mentioned the white hats. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the white hats that kind of brought no protection whatsoever to people. All, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the stupid masks that they wore as well. Only people that they were completely honest with were the miners, wasn't it? Well, the the whole situation with the miners was interesting. So again, it goes back to the interesting where the government was run, yeah. uh, the communist government. Because they turn up and they basically say, right, you know, you work on behalf of the state. We need you to go to this place. Yeah, oh, and the guy with the blue suit on. The boss basically says, the man yeah. says, well, where are you sending us? And they, as would be expected in under that regime, yeah. um, well, you don't ask questions. We tell you what you do, you do it. And they're saying, well, basically, no, you've got to tell us yeah. uh, where we're going. And they tell them to the to the man who's the head of the coal section who wears this wonderful suit and uh yes a wonderful light blue suit <laughs> which is which doesn't stay wonderful for very long no because the miners all give him a, a nice pat on the uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> which i thought that was actually quite nice because that was a bit of yes. light relief wasn't it it was yeah it was a bit of humor in it so um i i liked that bit actually the miners in general they're they're being there kind of did mm 
create a lot of light relief. Their working conditions were sort of appalling. So they were saying there's no way we can work in these conditions. You know, there's no air. It's incredibly hot. Yeah. And they were saying we need a um, – we, we've got to have some sort of ventilation system. And the man's saying, well, you can't do it. There's dust. And the head miner says, well, I've been breathing dust all my life doing this job. And the man says, not like this because it's all irradiated. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you then go to the next scene. And bearing in mind, I watched this program with my mum. So, <laughs> which was quite an interesting program at this point hmm. because I'm I'm watching and my mum's kind of watching as well. And all of a sudden I go, is that a penis? <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold... All of the miners, basically what they've done is they've taken, removed all of their clothing. Apart from one that I noticed must be a little bit shy because he had his underpants on still. <laughs> but anyway, because <laughs> he stood out like a sore thumb. Yeah, so basically they've removed all of their clothing, apart from these white hats, mm-hmm. um, which they were told, obviously, <laughs> that they had to wear, which probably did nothing. Indeed, the white hats would do absolutely rock all. Yeah, exactly. Because they were so hot, that's obviously what they decided to do. But then I think also they did it out of rebellion as well. Yes, yes. Proof of point. But, you know, still, they got the job done. So, mm-hmm. obviously, that was... Uh, Quite an interesting scene, you know, there was many shapes and sizes there, let's say. Many, many tackles. <laughs> what what I can do that I'm afraid will burst your bubble slightly is that there are still some of the miners alive who actually did that in real life, but they refute the nudity thing. That it they actually refute it happened in real life. So I think there may have been a bit of artistic license there. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, it's a TV show. Exactly. It's more interesting. Exactly. And let's face it, you know, us ladies, we need a bit of uh, male frontal nudity occasionally, <laughs> you know, because the, the men get it all of the time with certain things, you know, like Game of Thrones yes. and whatnot. I know that you don't watch that, but, you know, whatever. No. Um But anyway, so, you know, so that was a bit of entertainment for the ladies. I had to think back. Just for some amusement, when you said to your mum, you would go like, is that a penis? I was going to, and I point to you, Gemma, is yes, we men do have them. <laughs> <laughs> They're part of our anatomy. Yeah. But no, I think it's because the way that the light was shining behind the guy, <laughs> you yeah. kind of was like, I'm not sure if, oh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, all of a sudden. Did I see what I thought I saw? Yeah. Also the female scientist, because I wanted to touch yes. upon her for a bit as well, because <laughs> she was tasked to find out what exactly happened. Yes. And without her, the story wouldn't have happened, I don't think. Yeah, it it wouldn't have been able to move forward as much as it did. Yeah, exactly. And so she went around and she actually dressed up as a nurse. I don't know where she got the outfit Mm -hmm. from. Maybe it was easy access, whatever. But she, she went around the hospital and she spoke to all of the victims. So there was a young lad that was 25 and he was... It was like his first couple of weeks that he'd been on the job, wasn't it? Yes. And he was telling his story. And these were all the people in that were doing the test. Yes. And she's gathering up all of the information. And then he goes to speak to the arsehole boss and who doesn't want to tell his story. He'd rather have yeah, a gun, was, gun to his head or a He was bullet. not covering himself with glory, was he? That's for sure. No. He was just like... No, he was like, the hospital food is disgusting here. And the second time she went in, he was just smoking a cigarette at the window, you know, Mm. and he really didn't give a shit. I think partly he was towing, he alluded to the fact you've got to tow the line, haven't you? Yeah. The fact that he was, you know, again, this thing of, you know, comrade commissar, 
you you know, I will do as I am told sort of thing. And that was an issue. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, he just literally, again, I got the impression that he was still arrogant at that point. Yeah. Um, and I know I keep saying the word arrogant. So, mm. yeah, if other people thought differently, you know, then please mm-hmm. let us know. But I, I just can't name him anything else at this point, really. And I think part of the issue, though, that I sort of get from it throughout is that the, the way you would be raised in this communist back, you know, within the USSR is that it's indoctrinated into you that the state is right. The state is right. Everything is for mm. the, is to protect the state and the people. Of that, you know, the, of the country, the nation, the nation is strong, the nation is powerful. And I think that's the big, another big thing I took from this that they would not defer from yeah. what they were being told to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Especially in their positions as well. So they were kind mm-hmm. of like high up in the, in yeah. the company and things. This is when the female scientists meets the wife of the firefighter mm-hmm. first of all as well because the wife of the firefighter so we kind of keep touching upon her mm. but she has done a massive journey she needs to find her husband she needs to be with him and yeah. i think i'm not a, i'm not a wife myself as listeners know but i can see from a, a wife's point of view or a you know a partner of somebody mm-hmm. that they incredibly love that you'd want to be with that person and even if you know that they're going to die, you want to be with them. Well, initially, she probably wouldn't have had a clue what happened or what was going on, would she, with him? You know, it, yeah. She was kept in the dark. And yeah. to get to him, she was given the right to see him. But when she got to the hospital, they were basically just saying, well, no, can't see him. She said, but I have the papers. Because, again, that's the big thing you'd have to get. Within the USSR, you'd have to get papers to allow you to do certain things, to go in certain areas, very much, very tightly controlled. Yeah. But she paid the nurse off, the first nurse, yeah. didn't she? She paid her off to let her through. And she sees her husband, and she initially sees him, and he doesn't seem too bad. But unfortunately, he deteriorates exceptionally quickly. Yeah, he does. And at that point, the female scientist kind of sees her for the first time, like I mentioned, and Mm -hmm. she realises that she's pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, and she's... She's obviously holding holding her husband's hand. She's doing very mm. wifely type things, you know. Not not wifely type things, but you know. No, she, but she's doing the things you would expect to do for, the, for your partner, for the person you love. She wants to do what she can to help him. Yeah. But she's given no guidance apart from told you can spend was it a minimum of half an 30 hour minutes. maximum, sorry. Yeah. Uh, with him, and then basically because of the sheer magnitude of what's coming in, the hospital staff just sort of lose interest. Well, not lose interest, but forget everything else. Yeah, Yeah. they forget about that one situation because obviously they've got massive things going on downstairs or in other rooms. You've basically got people melting from the inside, haven't you? Oh, God, Um, yeah. Oh, that's horrible. Because you sit, the the entire, and this will be realistic, the entire human system is basically just, on a molecular level, is breaking down. Yeah. And they discuss within the show, don't they, at a point, you can't even treat the person with, say, a painkiller because the I think the blood system starts breaking out the veins. Yeah. But going back to what you were saying, the the scientist uh, goes, she goes insane, doesn't she, with the staff saying, "What are you doing? You know, you're allowing these this poor woman to be around this these people. What 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 is happening with this situation? It's awful." Yeah, and then she says, "I'm going to tell the story," or she says yeah. something along those lines, and that's when you kind of see the first people from the KGB yeah. who turn up and they're like, what story are you going to tell? Yeah. 
Because in the USSR, I mean, in, in most of the places, this would probably still happen under any government, but with the USSR, you really would be in the, uh, the doo-doo if you tried to uh, release information. Yeah, exactly. And, and she gets arrested, doesn't she? Yes. Which, you know, the government guy and the male, doc- uh, male scientist, they both get her out. You know, that's sort of the beginning yes. of the next episode sort of thing. Because she looks, she's probably been thrown to a gulag somewhere, so... If they not released her and just sort of forgotten to time, yeah, um, or considered to be treasonous. But where it moves on from there, that's very interesting. It's the sort, it's the fact that she says every single person is saying the same thing about how the action taken on the night was incorrect. Yeah, to deal with the situation. Yeah, yeah, and that's when she gets told about a button. Yes, I can't remember the button number, but. Yeah, irrelevant. Well, it's not irrelevant, it's important to the story, but um, irrelevant as in I can't remember what the number is. And um, yeah, so basically it's a button that it's like an emergency button that they push to terminate the test. It's an override system, I think, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, you know, like when you've got a machine, when you've got machine that's working and then you've got the emergency stop button that you yeah, would the press. Cut off, they yeah. would literally cut everything off straight away. So obviously that button was pushed. She actually goes to a library and she's, again, she's got the right paperwork so that she can, um, pull out some documentation all different types of things. And the guy in the library, he comes back with everything crossed out apart from one, let's say, book. And and that's the only thing that she can have off of that list. Yeah. Yeah. And they won't allow her to have anything else. But actually, it turned out that that was the best thing to have because she then realises that with this document, there was pages that were ripped out. Mm-hmm. And those pages were the ones that were saying, don't press that button. Yeah. Because if you do press that button, it's just going to make it explode, you know? I think I think what, if my memory serves me, was happening is the button was supposed to reduce the... Uh, was it meant to like drop the core temperature? But instead, what it was doing was causing it to spike. Yeah. Rather than drop. And... The initial saying, well, this is impossible, this can't happen. This And the order was supposed to be given to, I think, press this button or, or do this to the system. And it was found that everyone, bar the manager, was sort of in agreement, this is what had been to- they'd been told to do. Yeah. And it was a known fault, wasn't it? As, as the show goes on, as it becomes aware, because obviously they've been, I think they had to, and if I'm skipping ahead too much, Gemma, I apologise. No, that's but fine. But obviously mentioned something, I think, in... Was it in, uh, they'd been in Geneva or something and they'd, they'd had to discuss the situation. And at that point, the main protagonist, the scientist, had towed the company line. And they're basically saying to him, right, if you do this, we'll give you a nice promotion. We'll give you a nice job if you do what you were supposed to do, comrade. And then it comes to a discussion in front of a trial, uh, you know, a jury. No, not a jury, yeah, like a military trial in yeah. Russia. Uh, the USSR, sorry, and it is decided beforehand, probably for dramatic purpose, but the lady scientist says to the, our two other main protagonists, someone has to tell the truth about this. Yeah. And the, the truth, you know, it's presented to them that this issue with Chernobyl, the, it is suggested that the government were aware that there was this fault, but chose to do nothing about it. And it's actually this thing that is in other nuclear reactors. Yeah, exactly. But also, I was just thinking about the fact that um, 
it's sort of it's almost kind of jumping on a little bit because I know I keep going back to the wife and whatnot. So at this point, yes. her husband's died and he does not look like her husband anymore. You know, he was a no. rather good looking man initially. And now he's just literally, like James said, he's kind of rotten from the inside out. Yes. It's horrific, you know, like seeing him like that. But then she's then gone into labor and the story comes out. The, the female scientist says she gave birth to a little girl who lasted four hours mm. because her child had taken all of the radiation. Mm-hmm. So like what the mum was obviously touching, you know, touching when she was touching her husband, literally the child took it all in, mm. saved her mum's life. Mm. But at the same time, she was then, the the wife was then left with no husband, no baby. And it was just really sad, wasn't it? And she mm. was still on the birthing ward as well, where you could see yeah. all the, the mums with their nice little babies, and then you see this end bed. And she sat on her own, yeah. She sat on her own, and her cot's completely empty, you know, and it's it's really sad. Mm. And then sort of, like, jumping onto, like, the last episode. I think we're in the last episode, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're pretty much on there now, aren't we? So this is where you see the court case, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Yeah, and it's quite good because, you you know, you're actually sort of seeing the trial and everything like that, and everyone's putting their viewpoint across. Mm. And this is where the male scientist has got the opportunity to either play by the rules or tell the truth. Mm -hmm. And he decides that he's going to tell the truth. And I think it was because of the the wife who'd given birth to her baby for was only alive for four hours. Mm. I think that was kind of what spurred him on to do it. I think also probably guilt about not, you know, the fact that he not said anything earlier and the yeah. fact that the guy he was working with from the, uh, who was, you know, a politician had sort of said to him, basically, you know, you need to do the right thing. Because mm. they both recognised their mortality was, you know, they were now compromised, their health was worsening. Yeah, they were, one of them was um, sort of coughing up blood and he knew that he only had like a year left and... The other one, uh, the scientist, his his hair was sort of falling out, wasn't it? So yeah, his health was. They both had certainly deteriorating health. Yeah, and they they changed the situation, and it was the it was two party officials who were in the dock, wasn't it? The manager of the um, uh, the night manager who'd been on the arrogant chappy. Yep, who were on trial, weren't they? Yeah, it was all three of them. Wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And actually, just just before we get onto the actual trial, because at the beginning, before, because obviously they kept skipping back and forth, didn't it? A little bit. It did. So it was like three weeks before and up to present day and things like that. But actually, the guy who was kind of in charge with the curly brown hair, he almost in this episode, because obviously he was still a bit of a baddie. But you kind of almost saw that he was actually the more innocent out of the three of them. Hmm. Because at one point he, he turned around and he said, look, we should give it 10 more days. That's what they're recommending to leave it. I think it was 10 more days or 10 hours or however long it was before they did the test again. Yeah. Because they knew that something had happened at a different factory. And, hmm. you know, it was kind of. Uh, you know, he was kind of at that point pushing for it, but the other two guys wanted their promotion. So they were pushing yeah. for it to be done there and then that day. And you then saw that the night crew who had zero experience and never ever had done it before, uh, then 
you know, the, the story is unfolding in this episode, basically. Yeah. That, that was the problem, wasn't it? That it was so like you, the entire situation is you didn't challenge the authority. So the authority told you to do something. You, by golly, did you do it? Yeah. And it was like their jobs were threatened, but not only were their jobs threatened. <laughs> their lives are threatened, aren't they? Yeah, so. but their livelihood as well. So it's yeah. kind of like they were saying that, you know, okay, you may never work in this factory ever again, but... Or nuclear you won't plant. work anywhere. You will yeah. never work there. You will never work there. You will never work there. So basically, they're saying that you're just going to be on the street if you walk away from this now. You know. Yeah. Or, or I suspect they'd be, you know, imprisoned as enemies of the state. So. Yeah. Yeah. Which just shows how much control these people had over their people. You know. Hey, welcome to communism, baby. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I think yeah, that was quite shocking for. For me, I think all of it was quite shocking, really, because I just mm. knew nothing about it. So uh, it was like complete virgin eyes watching it for me. <laughs> the judges decide at one point that they're going to take a break because the government guy uh, is sort of coughing quite badly. Yeah. And he's he's coughing up blood. So he leaves the courtroom and they obviously do a little recess type thing. And when they all come back in, they are are actually saying right okay let's recess for you know two days and we'll come back to this tomorrow or we'll come back to this whenever it was mm-hmm. but the actual government guy stood up and he said no let him tell his facts yeah right now they're trying to close him down so you've told us enough yeah and he hadn't and he then goes on to tell the truth of what happened you know like He's got all of these diagrams as well, hasn't he? That, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's like all the red ones are the warning signs. And then you've got the blue ones on the side, which are like oxygen and water and whatever the other ones were, because I can't remember. Um, It was all very scientific at that point. And my brain just went, blah. Yeah. I have to be honest, I couldn't follow a lot of it. My uncle's a chemist, well, a retired chemist. He might be able to guide me on yeah. some stuff in more detail. It didn't help because the words were actually in Russian as well. So They were in Russian, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, so they were trying to cut him short. They were unsuccessful. And obviously he told the truth. And then yeah. he gets imprisoned. And then it's kind of... Well, I don't think he got imprisoned. The problem he faced, the scient- oh, they didn't imprison him, did they? Basically stripped him of everything. So they said, well, you'll keep your title, but you'll never ever work again. Yep. Uh, he was, well, he was imprisoned to a degree, wasn't he? Because he had the KGB probably following him all the time. Yep. And the cushy number he'd been offered, he wasn't going to basically get any promotion. And there's, well, he was put in a, a room, wasn't he? And yep. Rui Superior basically said to him, well, you'll keep your job, but we can't kill you because, you know, you're now too, too well known. It'll be, you know, people will notice you gone sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but he was basically just left to, with nothing. Well, it was kind of basically they were just going to wipe him off the planet, really, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. Because it was like his story will go out there. But yeah. he won't be known. He'll be discredited. Yeah, yeah exactly. And just to, just out of curiosity, you know when and um, when obviously they were filming in the the room with all the wallpaper and stuff. Did the wallpaper make your eyes feel funny? Because it really made my eyes feel funny. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know what you mean. Yeah. I wonder if that's like something that they they did on purpose or whatever. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and then it kind of goes back to full circle, really, where, you know, he's 
he's coming out, you know, he's being taken off basically to go home. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got the female scientist and the government guy who are just kind of looking on and they know that they can't do anything yeah. at this point. It pretty much is how it ended. It just recapped giving you what happened with the people, the you know, the real yeah. people who were mentioned in it, how they had gone to prison. Uh, one of the people had come out after, was it 10 years, and gone back into working in the sector. Yep. The the arrogant chap, I think, had died. Uh, yeah. What happened to, I think mostly, to be fair, because of the, the distance in Tower Top, a lot of people had died, but... Things like obviously um, the recording. It, it was it. Oh, sorry. Go sorry, go on. The recordings. Yeah. No, I was going to say the the recordings of the actual figure of how many people died. Yeah. Was shocking because I think it was something like thirty one, thirty nine, something like that that were actually recorded mm. to have died because of the explosion and everything. Mm-hmm. Actually. It was probably something between nine and forty nine thousand people, mm-hmm. but they've been affected, but have yeah. been affected or died because of that. Yeah. But they couldn't find the actual number of it because, again, it was also swept under the carpet. Yeah, it will. It'd be it, that was the interesting thing again. Late uh, locked state secrets where they wouldn't release the information. Yeah. Again, the the big takeaway from me on the, watching the show, and with my knowledge minimal, I don't have great knowledge on the Chernobyl incident, mm. but it's the fact of the, the situation of the people who went in knowing they were going to die, but did things because they knew it would help people. Yeah. Which was a point, actually, that I think the army made, didn't it, to the army officers. They said, this is what we're about. You know, we're going to go ahead and we're going to do something. You know, you're going to die. We know there's going to be terrible. You have to make a sacrifice, but we're doing it because it's what we do. Yeah. But it was the interesting thing in the first episode when they had the old sort of Bolshevik chap who's going, you know, you know, we will not allow the Soviet, you know, our Soviet brothers start to be weakened. We will not question the situation, which gave you an interesting insight into how things were were run. Basically, yeah. you know, he's sort of saying, "We'll, we, you know, we will stay, we'll stay together as a strong nation. This is, this will not affect us, and we will not allow anybody to be aware of this or help us." And it was quite a telling thing. Was he the same guy though? At that point, when he was making that speech on the first episode, that when they were all being evacuated on the, uh, I think, I think, buses, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, he I was then sat that. on the bus, yeah. so yeah. running away. Because he knew that it was bad, you know, he didn't want to lose his life. So yeah, it was a lot of a lot of sneakiness. Mm, so I've got I've got a question for you, Gemma. So Chernobyl as as an area, how dangerous it is? Yeah. Still, um, because one of the things that I found out reading up that was spurred my interest. I already knew a bit, but spurred some more reading up is that mm-hmm. there's something called the elephant's foot in the within the the reactor, which is where. The radiated material is like covered in graphite and um, concrete, and it's still in there. It will still kill you if you get near it. But a couple of interesting things I found out. The other reactors Mm -hmm. were still being used for several years after, believe it or not. Oh, really? Yep, from what I'm sure that I remember remember reading, some of the other reactors were still actually being used for several years until they were completely shut down. And... um, Within the, the air itself, obviously, it's, it's empty, but you can take tours to it mm. uh, to actually go around the ghost town of Chernobyl, and there are still some animals that are still living there, and supposedly there's no issues. My question is, would you do it? 
Oh, I don't know. I think I probably would. Hmm. And I know that sounds crazy because of all the risk factor. But just to experience it, because it's like if I was to ever go to Amsterdam, uh-huh. I would like to go to Anne Frank place, you know, the, yes. the where she where she lived and mm-hmm. what's the I can't remember what the place is called. The terrible place that they were all killed. Oh, like some to well, it's not around there, but what like some like Auschwitz or something like that. Yeah. But not because I'm like a disturbed person that kind of, you know, wants to experience these things because I'm mentally unstable or anything like that. But because you just almost, you almost want to feel the history that's there, you know, because I've heard a lot of things about the fact that, you know, like that it's a very emotional places hmm. to actually go and visit and things like that. And, uh, but at the same time, I'm saying all this right now when I'm in the comfort of the UK. If I was over there right now, would I still want to go? I don't know. I don't 100% know. So I guess I, yeah, uh, my thoughts when I'm sat here comfortably in my, in my room, you know, I probably guess I would. Hmm. And what about yourself? Would you? Well, well, the only thing that the sort of made me a bit laugh is when you talk about sort of, uh, Anne Frank's house and Auschwitz. Mm-hmm. They are very interesting things to go to, I agree. Uh, they will be extreme emotional uh, pulls, but there is not inherent risk of you, you know, becoming uh, poisoned with ra- excuse me, the radiation if you go there. Yeah, that's a very um, good point, yeah. <laughs> the, the thing with Chernobyl is, I mean, I was talking to my dad about this, saying, I don't, I, sort of like you said, I think I'd want to go. Yeah. And my dad said, really? He said, you couldn't get me there at all. Because I get, and I thought about it, there is a, there is this, Part of you that thinks it's, it's too risky because you can go, you get a Geiger counter, you can only spend a certain amount of time in places and supposedly you're okay. But there is the risk, you know. Yeah. To me, there is too much of a risk. And I've seen video footage of people going around it. So I might just stick with watching the YouTube stuff, to be honest. Yeah. I think it's just to experience it, like a ghost town kind of effect. Hmm. You know, it's all about kind of the feel of things isn't it you know yeah i suppose also because i kind of like horror and i kind of like things like that so it kind of is on my wavelength in that sense Mm. but yeah like i i definitely i definitely was hesitant with my yes yeah so like i said if i was probably in that area but not actually there i probably would have second thoughts if i was actually (laughs) you know like i said this is this is coming from the comfort of sitting here in the UK where I'm in a sleepy little town where nothing's going to happen to me or, you know, touch wood, nothing's going to happen to me, you know, but I can't, I can't physically answer that question until I'm in the situation. Do you know what I mean? Mm. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's a difficult one. I think you'd have to look at all the sort of things you're presented with. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, with regards to the TV program, one thing I really couldn't get over, and the one thing I yes. kind of didn't like, was the fact that all of the characters were British. Yes, it really annoyed me that none of them had even a Russian Russian accent. Yeah, twang to it. Yeah, that kind of annoyed me a little bit. Well, they all seem to have very mixed British accents, and then you, uh, uh, speaking of accents, you had the the wee lad who was a. Uh, going around shooting or attempting to shoot the animals who suddenly had an American accent. Yeah, I noticed. I noticed that, yeah. 
all of the, yeah. Which stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it kind of, that kind of took me, the only guy mm. that kind of had a Russian accent, and he kind of stood out a little bit, was the guy with the dark curly hair, who was one of the, the first guys, you know, the, the three guys on the... I don't think he was that Russian. I think he sounded more Northern England, to be honest. Yeah, I suppose. I was just thinking because anybody... he sounded a little bit more gangster, though, didn't he? Well, yeah, that was his, but also that one, his, his, his character and his acting style. But nobody yeah. had, yeah, you're right. No one had a particularly strong accent. Yeah, uh, Skarsgård had his own accent. He was playing the, the, you know, the party member. Yeah, um, but yeah, nobody had a Russian, particular Russian accent in it, which I know, yeah, might have added a bit more to it. But yeah. who knows? But then, I, I don't know, maybe that was into the contract of... Because I'm surprised that they were able to do it, actually. Well, most of the cast were English, weren't they? Anyway, English actors, so... Yeah. I'm surprised, I'm surprised they were able to tell the story with mm. everything that we've just sort of discussed about how it was yeah. all covered up and, and swept under the carpet. So maybe that was... Maybe them... And this is me just speculating, but maybe them all being... British or that one American. Um, maybe that was the way that they could get over any hurdles, get by. I don't know. Maybe. Well, it's interesting you said that because it, I've heard rumours that the Russians are looking to produce their own show. Oh, really? Mm, I, I've read that. Whether it will come to fruition, whether it's true, but I've read that. So mm. it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, as long as it's got subtitles, of course, because obviously <laughs> we won't be able to yeah. understand it. Well, I was, was going to ask you, Gemma. Yep. Using our new scale on the show, how many fish would you give? Yeah, our new scale that Andy came up with, which I thought was brilliant, yeah. (laughs) How many dying irradiated fish would you give this episode? (laughs) No, they're all alive and kicking. (laughs) I'd give it an eight out of eight of of ten fish. (laughs) Not eight out of ten cats, eight out of ten fish. I think I'd probably give it 8.5, so... <laughs> point five extra. Yeah. <laughs> you and your point five. Ge- yeah, I'm feeling generous today. <laughs> yeah. Um, but another thing that I wanted to touch upon as well, because I did mention to you, I wanted to almost reference the place that I used to work because hmm. when I was watching this program, it kind of made me think of the place that I used to work, and I won't be naming the name. Um, not that mm-hmm. they, not that they were dangerous or not that, you know, there's anything wrong with this place of work, but I just don't think that I should name their place because okay. I don't want to give them bad press or anything like that. So where I used to work, there was high levels of, um, chlorine wow. used for certain products. And we're talking really high levels of chlorine. It was to the point that if the chlorine alarm went off, you all had to be in certain areas. And you had to stay in those areas wow. because if you were to happen walk through the corridor and you smelt chlorine, you'd be dead straight away. Gee, God. Yeah, it was, it was, it, in that sense, it was scary. I mean, it, it never happened. I mean, the alarm went off a couple of times, but it turned out that it was a false alarm. So it wasn't anything to worry about. But at the same time, it was quite scary. You know, it's like when you had this alarm go off and I, I was responsible for being on the tannoy the telephone tannoy putting out the announcement to people saying that you know like you have to- we're buggered we're buggered no no you have to obviously be professional with it yes but um yeah i i had to i can't remember what i had to say but you know like i was saying that you have to go to your designated area mm-hmm. simple things like the air con had to be turned off 
because obviously that was a way that it could all come in. And, you know, you had to make sure that the doors were firmly shut. You know, everything. You know, luckily, I worked in the office that was one of the safest offices. But at the same time, the other flip side of it was all of the staff had taken those precautions. Every single member of staff was in the safe area. Yes. All of this chlorine was also going out to the public area. So if this, if this alarm actually did go off and it was, yeah. it was actually a real chlorine um, moment, then the yeah. local businesses that were surrounding it and also homes that were surrounding it, they were just unprotected. So it's mm. like it went out into the, you know, because the thing that they always used to stay, say to you was if you're in the building, that's the safest place to be. But then what precautions yeah, what did they take for else? those yeah. people that are outside? And it kind of made me think of this whole, you know, in, in a sense, this whole Chernobyl thing. Mm. I don't know. It was quite scary when those alarms went off. It would be. Yeah. yeah. It was just knowing the fact, but also the other side of what it was, because there was actually a fire in the factory at one point as well. I wasn't, I wasn't there when the actual fire happened. Um, it was like during the evening time and it was a really bad fire but then the next day i came into work and it was literally smoke filled you know like everything had burnt as you can imagine it was terrible Ouch. but because we were all so prepared for chlorine and all of those kind of things none of us kind of well me especially i had never really thought about the fact that actually there could be a fire in this place one day mm. you know because i was so prepped up with what to do if there's chlorine that i didn't even think of fires you know but i just wanted to kind of share that as a story no that's interesting like i said I, you know like even if people would ask me uh where did i work or whatever i won't be saying i won't be saying the company name and it is a good company to work for and you know like obviously there must be precautions that they've taken with regards mm. to the chlorine and everything but it is all those kind of things that go through your mind isn't it when you're totally yeah so so yeah i thought yeah what a way to end an episode <laughs> a very much on that bombshell moment on that bombshell yeah indeed yeah. we've hopefully managed to give a reasonable overview of the series i would say for anybody who hasn't uh, had a chance to see it. Hopefully we've not spoiled it too much, but... Uh, we have. <laughs> well, we have. We have. We have. Guys, uh, you'll learn a lot about the show listening to this, but I would say if you get a chance, sit down and watch yeah. it, you know, properly watch it. It's, it's an interesting, not even just from a drama standpoint, but from a historical standpoint. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah, definitely. So this is the end of this episode. Thank you for listening, and I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. Yeah, thank you, guys. Yeah. Hopefully we haven't freaked you out too much as well. So yeah. if you don't worry, the ra the n the radiation is probably down to manageable levels in this country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, as always, I've been Gemma. I've been James. I've been Andy. <laughs> I have no opinion about this. <laughs> I don't know why I talk with a northern accent. Yeah. I'm from Upper Berkshire. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I wanted to end the episode with a bit of a giggle, so. <laughs> you did this with your mouth. Like, you talked yourself into this. Well, if you're interesting at all, you should do a podcast. I was doing a radio show for years before I podcasted it. I don't think people realize just how liberating and freeing and inspiring podcasting can be. Yeah, you can just walk into to any genre of podcasting, you walk into community. The reason podcasts 
connect so much is it feels more personal. What we learned pretty quickly is that only one or two percent of the people who listen ever donate. Most people don't. People are used to free media, advertising support media. At the moment, podcasting for us isn't a business and it's not designed to be a You know, running something as a business or being paid doesn't always mean dollars, pounds, euros. It can be payment in another way. One Voice, One Mic, a short documentary about the rise of podcasting, coming 2019. Plug in, record, send it to iTunes, boom, congratulations, you're a podcast.